You're listening to the Make It British podcast. I'm Kate Hills and I'm on a one woman mission to save UK manufacturing. I invite you to join me each week when I'll be sharing the stories behind some of the best British made brands and UK manufacturers and offering you advice and tips for making in the UK. So let's crack on with the show. Welcome to episode number 101 of the Make It British podcast. My name's Kate Hills and I'm going to be talking to you today about what I see as the big trends for UK manufacturing for 2020 and beyond. Because it's not only the start of a brand new decade this week, but it's also this is the first of series two of the Make It British podcast. At the beginning of 2019, I made some of my predictions for what I thought the big trends were going to be for the coming year. And in this episode, I'm going to take a look back at how those trends have fared and also where we're going to be going going forward. But before we continue, let me just explain a little bit about what UK manufacturing sectors I am talking about on this show, particularly if you're a new listener and maybe you're listening to this show for the first time this week because you're taking part in our Get Set for Manufacturing Challenge. So hello, if you're doing that, I hope you're enjoying it. If you don't know what the Get Set for Manufacturing Challenge is, it's our five-day challenge that we run in the first week of January to help people get a new product off the ground and get it made in the UK. So if you want to find out more about that, follow the link that I'll put in the show notes for this podcast, which is makeitbritish.co.uk forward slash get set. So if you're listening to this podcast and you're wondering what we cover on the show and what I'm going to be covering in the trends that we're talking about today, we're not talking about the big industries like car manufacturing, aeronautical, pharmaceutical, those sorts of areas of UK manufacturing. Lots of people cover it much better than I do. There's the Manufacturer Magazine, for instance. They've got their own podcast as well. Well worth a listen to if you're interested in those sections, those sectors. Um, But if you're interested in textile, fashion, homeware manufacturing, pretty much anything you could buy in a department store, that's our bag. And that's what we'll be talking about today. And the reason that I cover those sectors is because it's made up of so many micro companies that I wanted to make sure had a voice because everyone hears about the car making industry and those other areas that have a few big players, but quite the opposite with things like the textile manufacturing sector sector in the UK. There's lots of tiny little micro companies. And but together, they are the 10th biggest manufacturing sector in the UK. So That's what we're going to be talking about today. And I'm going to be talking about my predictions for those industries in regards to UK manufacturing for 2020 and beyond. So first, let's just take a little look back on 2019. And I'm not going to labour on it for too long because let's face it, I don't think 2019 was many people's favourite years. It certainly wasn't mine. And I'm pretty sure it wasn't the favourite year of most of the manufacturers that I work with. We've had Brexit. Is it on? Is it off? Is it happening? We've had a weird old election. We've had so many people who have been completely in limbo in terms of their 
manufacturing businesses and not, you know, waiting for orders to be placed and things not really, things just being in a state of flux and no one wanted to make any decisions and commit to anything. And then on top of all that, we've had trouble with retail and, you know, that's been in turmoil. We've had lots of well-known names shutting stores and that has had a direct impact on the sort of manufacturers that we are talking about. So it's been a funny old year. But if there's one thing that's come out of 2019 more than anything else is that it's the year that everyone started to really wake up to sustainability, particularly in the fashion and textile supply chain. In March of 2019, we had the Environmental Audit Committee presenting a report to the UK government with ideas for how we could start improving the sustainability of fashion and UK manufacturing particularly was highlighted within that and some of the practices that were going on in fast fashion in UK textile manufacturing. And it got rejected, which was really disappointing. The whole report got rejected. But I do think even though the government have thrown that out, at a grassroots level and what the industry is actually doing, people are now starting to vote with their feet and are starting to demand better manufacturing and sustainable manufacturing and they'll want to buy products where they know where the products have come from and the one thing that is going to be the overriding theme for everything that I'm going to talk about with the trends for 2020 and beyond it's how the industry is becoming more sustainable and how manufacturing particularly in the UK fits into that. So with that in mind shall we start with what I think is trend number one for UK manufacturing in 2020 and beyond. And that is that every UK manufacturer will need to be more sustainable because every single person that I have contacting me at the moment, and that is hundreds of people every week who are looking for a UK manufacturer to make garments or textiles or homeware in the UK the number one question that they ask is what ethical or sustainable credentials does that manufacturer have? It is so important. So if you are a manufacturer listening to this, you need to be doing everything you possibly can to make your business more sustainable. Have you got the correct audits in place? Are you paying the living wage? Um, what other ways? What are you doing about recycling and reducing waste at your factory? because all brands now are starting to demand this so much more. And it will be a case of those that are sustainable will be leading the way and taking all of the business. And those that aren't will sadly fall behind and start losing customers because of it. So if there's anything that I can stress that's so important is that every UK manufacturer does need to be so much more sustainable going forward. It may be that the UK government threw out the whole report about the sustainability of the UK fashion industry, but it's going to be more and more important to your customers to know, you know, how are you using energy? Is, is your factory energy efficient? What sorts of energy are you using? So start making steps, any small steps that you can at this stage to becoming more sustainable, because that is what people are asking for. And if you're looking for a more sustainable type of manufacturer and you're currently manufacturing overseas, then 
If you start looking locally and at UK manufacturers, one thing you can guarantee is that you're going to be using much smaller carbon footprint if you're not shipping your products all around the world when you're getting them made as part of your supply chain, but if you're making them locally. So you're making the right decision if you're thinking of switching to a UK manufacturer to make your brand more sustainable. So trend number two, which is very closely linked to number one, is that technology will start making UK manufacturing more sustainable. There's a very interesting initiative called the Future Fashion Factory, and I'll put the link in the show notes to it. It's a research and development or an R&D partnership, and it is funding manufacturers and brands who want to develop new digital and advanced textile technologies to help make their business more sustainable. And they're working with a few manufacturers at the moment. They've got a call out for um, a new round of R&D funding. So if that sounds like that's something that fits with your business, worth checking out because it no doubt will be technology that will help to make UK manufacturing more sustainable. Things like how can you make sure that the design decisions that you're making are right first time because this is anything that's more wasteful in the fashion industry or any sort of product development. It's that development time and oversampling and producing stock that no one wants to buy. And it's also very expensive to sample in the UK because it's the labour that goes into making those initial samples. So if technology can help to reduce the oversampling and that the costs are involved in that and the waste that's involved in that, then it's going to be a big factor going forward for so many UK manufacturers. So that's number two is technology to make manufacturing more sustainable. Now, number three on my list is something that we had last year, which I think is becoming even more important, and that is that quality will replace throwaway. And I think I called it made to last last year. It's going to be a slow burner, trying to encourage people to stop buying fast fashion throwaway products and instead to buy quality items that last a much longer time and also that are much more suited to the way we manufacture things in the UK, it is going to take a while for it to sink in um, to the majority of people that live in the UK, but it's definitely a movement towards that. And people really questioning why they need 10 T-shirts and 10 coats and different outfit every single Saturday night. We've had so many businesses built around celebrity culture about wearing once and throwing it away. And I think going forward, we're going to have new role models who are more about being kind to the planet and not about lots of overconsumption and conspicuous consumption. How that will affect UK manufacturing, I think, will be really interesting because we've got hundreds of factories in the Midlands, in particular in Leicester in the UK, who over the last few years have built their whole business models around making fast fashion very quickly, really cheaply, you know, making a dress for Boohoo for a fiver um, because they can do it because the dress is so simple. But and people don't care if it doesn't last very long because they're only going to wear it for one Saturday night. And that's going to change. And you're going to see those manufacturers who were set up to just produce loads and loads of cheap quality clothing starting to 
diversify in what they can do. And if unfortunately, that will mean that some of the lower end people will fall by the wayside, but maybe that's a good thing. And we'll see a rise of the quality manufacturers again, which is what the UK should truly be known for. Number four on my list is less waste and more recycling. Now, this one is is it an interesting thing for me because back in 2000, no, back in 1991, crikey, that's like 19, 29 years ago, I had a brand when I first left college, which was a recycling brand and we recycled fabrics and we were seen as a very marginal business. It was never going to be scalable. It was very niche. There was only a few of us that, that did it at the time. And it has now taken nearly 30 years for recycling to start becoming much more mainstream within the fashion and textile industry. I was talking to Belinda Robertson the other day of Belinda Robertson Cashmere, because we're both on the board of the UK Fashion and Textile Association together. Her cashmere brand has traditionally made in the Far East beautiful quality, but she wanted to start bringing recycling into her collection and has in order to do that, she had to do it locally. You can't do recycling. I mean, when I had my business back in 91, we made it all locally in the East End of London. We had our own factory to do it. And that's why at the time it didn't seem like it was something that could ever be scalable. But now in 2020, I think there is a genuine opportunity to see bigger brands starting to do recycling and make it scalable. When someone like Belinda, who has a multi-million pound cashmere business, says that she's starting to do recycling as part of her business. And in order to do that, has to do it in the UK. We're going to see so many other brands following suit and starting to do that. And UK manufacturing fits that so well. You need to do something locally if you want to be able to recycle it and start to reuse things you can't be shipping things backwards and forwards if they're one of a kind pieces. Which brings me on to trend number five, which is on-demand manufacturing, which last year I called um, production runs of one. But I kind of figure, figure on-demand manufacturing is more what it's about. And it's about being able to make things for the customer individually bespoke items and using technology to be able to do that and produce small volume items for people that are customised and being made in the UK really lends itself really well to that. A couple of great examples are the um, cloth weaver Hainsworth, who are based in Leeds, AEW Hainsworth. They've been working in partnership with the Future Fashion Factory, who I talked about earlier. They're one of their very first projects. Now, what they've done, so whereas usually a fabric mill would have to produce a roll of fabric of um, a certain amount to make it worth their while. So once they thread up the looms, make the make the cloth, it, they've got to make 30, 50, 100 metres or so to make it worth their while. Hainsworth have been looking at ways that they can produce much more, much smaller quantities, particularly for designers who want a bespoke cloth. And in this case, it's a jacquard cloth that they can um, make to their own design in very small quantities. So it's quite an interesting project. I'll put a link to it in the show notes. 
because so many people are now saying, I don't want to buy 50, 100, 500 meters of a cloth. But for a mill, that's a real challenge because they aren't set up to do that traditionally. So Hainsworth have been looking at how they're doing that. Um, also, uh, John Spencer Textiles, who are based in Burnley, who I'm interviewing on the podcast next week, they've been doing something similar where traditionally they would be making thousands, thousands of metres for customers and they're now able to produce um, one-off items such as blankets and things bespoke for their customers. So on-demand manufacturing and producing very small quantities and bespoke items is something that a lot more manufacturers are trying to work towards because that is where the demand is. There's also another interesting project is a company called Unmade, and I've talked about them on the podcast before. They were really one of the first um, technology companies to start working with textile companies to be able to produce smaller runs and bespoke items. And Unmade specifically were working with the knitwear industry and and they have produced a piece of software which talks directly to a knitting machine and allows individual one-off items to be made, whereas traditionally the knitwear industry and the sort of machines that people were, were using require you to do quite big quantities. So we'll see more technology being used by textile companies to allow designers to make much smaller runs, even individual items. So we'll see much more technology being used and being developed for use by the textile industry in order to make smaller quantities for designers and even individual items that can be sold direct to the end user. So number six on my list, which was on the list last year and I think is only going to be growing in importance going forward, is make, do and mend. So you might think, why is she talking about making do when it's on a podcast about making new things and manufacturing new things? Well, it's because we're starting to see more UK brands and manufacturers offering to repair things. A great example of this was on Black Friday this year, and many UK made brands do choose to boycott Black Friday. And I've talked about this on the podcast before, but this year, menswear designer Christopher Rayburn not only boycotted Black Friday, but he invited his customers or anyone to come into his workshop in Hackney and learn how to repair any existing item that they already had. I just think that's just brilliant because not only is it saying to people, don't go out and buy a load of cheap stuff that's not really worth it on Black Friday, but also I'm going to teach you the skills of how to actually sew and repair and fix something, which is great because at the end of the day, we want more people to be buying quality items and making them last, as I as I mentioned before, but also to learn those skills. Because if you asked a straw poll of people, when was the last time you sewed a button back on or fixed a garment? They just wouldn't. And then that means that the younger generation aren't seeing people sewing buttons on and fixing things. And there's going to be a big return to that and people actually being able to do some of these essential skills, which we need in the UK in order to keep the UK fashion and textile industry manufacturing, you know, to make it great again and to make it thrive again. So well done, Christopher, for that one. I think it was flipping brilliant. Um, And he's not the only one as well. There's uh, a jeans company in 
London called Black Horse Lane Atelier and they make their own brand, they make their own jeans in their factory and they offer a complete aftercare for your jeans and a repair service. So yes, they're pricey jeans when you buy them in the first place, but they've got a lifetime guarantee. So they're not throwaway, they can make them last. And of course, if you've got a favourite pair of jeans, you don't want to just chuck them away because the seams come undone or because you've worn a patch out. I was at an event recently with Patrick Grant. We were speaking together on a panel and he turned up, he had one of his own community clothing jumpers on from his own brand and he'd patched up the elbows with little suede patches and he'd done it himself because he loved that jumper. He could have had loads of those jumpers again because he makes the brand himself, but he fixed the one he already had. And I just think that's brilliant. And I think we'll see so much more of this make, do and mend and if people start going to sewing classes to learn how to do it, then that is just fantastic. And that's what it's all about. So that's number six, make, do and mend. Number seven is related to what I had last year as one of my trends, which I talked about the, the rise of the factory brand and how more factories were starting to launch their own brand. Well, I'm going to flip that on its head this year and I'm going to call it the rise of the brand factory because what I'm seeing is that so many brands now are looking to make in the UK for various different reasons. Quite often the main reason is because they want something local and more sustainable and because the UK factories are in such demand they're not always finding the production that they need. So if they've got those skills, they are setting up their own little micro manufacturing units, so their own factories. And this is going to be something we're going to be seeing happening so much more. It's not going to abate. The rise of the brand factory, I think, is with us for the whole of the next decade. And what is more, some of these brands that I know that are that have their own factories. So there's a company that advertises with us at Make It British called Wolf in Sheep's Clothing. They have their own brand and they've set up their own factory and they've trained their own staff to make this brand for them. And now they've got some spare capacity. So they're starting to reach out to other brands in the area that might need some production done. So they've, they're a brand and they've now become a factory. So I think that's quite interesting that we're getting these businesses like the factories that are setting up their own brand, but also getting brands that are setting up their own factories because there isn't the production capacity that we have in the UK and because they want to be totally in control of their own supply chain. There's obviously, if you are thinking of doing this, the challenges to setting up your own factory, but it is completely doable. I mean, you can get, you can hire machinery pretty cheap now and start something off quite small get one or two local workers to come in and work for you in your factory and then expand from there and that's how people like wolf in sheep's clothing have done it they've started off very small and then they've started buying extra machinery that they needed as they've gone along but you can pretty much set up a small sewing factory with just a couple of machines and a couple of machinists so if you are thinking of doing it, then I just say, just go for it because you've got complete control of your own destiny and you're not the only one. So many people are starting to do that now, which I think is great. Which leads me on to number eight, which I'm calling hyper local. So 
Whereas people were proud to call something made in Britain or made in the UK, more and more now brands are using a very, very micro-local, hyper-local version of that. So made in London, made in Yorkshire, made in Hebden Bridge, like we have with the Hebtroco Trouser Company, or uh, Blackshaw Clothing, they call, they're saying theirs is made in Southwold. So all these brands are making something really local and using that local history and heritage and name to appeal to the customers that they want to sell to who also want to buy products that are local to that area. So it's no longer about made globally or even made in Britain, but about made locally and hyper local and supply chains getting smaller and smaller and everyone wanting to source everything for their product as locally as they possibly can and that being part of their brand's DNA. I mean, just look at someone like Private White VC, which is a clothing brand who say made in Manchester on their website and show you that all of the raw materials and the components for their products pretty much come from the Lancashire area. And that is going to be something we're going to see so many more brands doing. And I know that because the people that get in touch with me to find manufacturers, so many of them ask for someone specifically and really local to where they are. And that can't, that isn't always possible because certain parts of the UK just don't have the right sort of manufacturing in. And that might mean that those people will end up setting up their own factory, like I mentioned in the previous trend. But I do think that making something locally and hyper, hyper local we're going to see as a growing trend for the whole of the next decade. And that's a great thing for UK manufacturing. So that brings me on to the final point that I want to make today. And that is about the use of the word Britain versus the use of the word UK or the United Kingdom. Now, when I first started Make It British, the word Britain had good connotations. And what I have found in the last couple of years, and it's probably something to do with the whole political situation that we've had and the referendum and everything over the last few years, but the use of the word Britain has started to attract some of the wrong types of people, if you see what I mean. There's a certain type of person that uses the word British or Britain in a manner which is, how do I put this? Well, it's not the sort of thing that we want to attract at Make It British. And I've talked about it on this podcast before. It's part of the reason I shut my Facebook group down a year ago, because I found that certain people would find the word Britain and think we were talking about excluding anything or anyone from any other country. And it's most definitely not about that at all. It's not about banning goods from overseas. It's about promoting the goods that we have here. And I think the two are very different things. So I am all for quality goods being made anywhere in the world. But what I want to do is support the skills that we have locally here in the United Kingdom. So over the last couple of years, Britain has come to mean something a little bit unsavoury 
in certain circles and it's not something we want anything to do with. So we've been using Made in the UK much more than Made in Britain on this podcast and on our website. And we plan to do a lot more going forward because we don't want to attract those unsavoury types who think Britain means waving a Union Jack flag and banning everything from any other country. And because of that, we have decided that Made in the UK is something worth celebrating and shouting about. And we're going to be launching a Made in UK day, which is an awareness day for Made in the UK. We're going to be celebrating everything that's manufactured in the UK on that day. No waving of Union Jack flags, nothing unsavoury, but simply celebrating the skills that we have here in the United Kingdom and the manufacturing skills that we have here so that we can help the UK manufacturing industry to thrive. So we're pretty excited about that. And I wanted to make sure that my podcast listeners were the first people to hear about our plans for Made in the UK Day. So more to be announced on that very, very soon. In the meantime, I hope you enjoyed today's nine trends that I see happening for UK manufacturing in 2020 and beyond. I'd love to hear what you think. And if you've got any comments, if you think I've missed anything out, drop me a message to kate at makeitbritish.co.uk. And in the meantime, thank you for listening to this podcast. And I'll catch up with you next Tuesday for another edition of the Make It British podcast. Bye bye. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Make It British podcast. If you're interested in finding UK fashion, textile and homeware manufacturers, then you should definitely come to our trade show, Make It British Live on the 17th and 18th of March, 2020. There'll be some of the best UK factories there for you to meet, as well as a series of inspiring talks, just like the ones that you listen to on this podcast. It's the perfect place to network with others that want to see UK manufacturing thrive. To register to attend, just go to makeitbritishlive.com forward slash register. Or if you want to find out about exhibiting at the show, visit makeitbritishlive.com forward slash exhibit or drop me an email to kate at makeitbritish.co.uk. I'd love to hear from you. I hope to see you there. Bye bye.